0: Each year, we have the habit of coming and seeking the Lord and asking God for the word for the new year. And this year, it has been very, very clear. And that word is for His glory. For His glory. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write down that phrase, for His glory. And I want to talk to you about where we are in the life of our church. It's a unique Time We've never been here before, probably never be here again, and illustrate through this what I believe that God is doing in us. If someone would have told me that when we purchased the land on the 8 freeway, that six years later, (laughs) six years later, for example, my daughter was in junior high. Uh, She's now a sophomore in college. Uh, I would have said, I'm not sure that I want to go through this process. Um, It has been a crazy challenge. So if you're uh, new with us or if you haven't been tracking with us for these past years, um, numerous years ago, about 10 years ago, uh, God had tremendously blessed this tiny group that had moved out. I think most of you guys know that there was a tiny group of us that that moved out here and did what's called a parachute drop to plant this church. That's where you don't know anyone. And so we came. You probably heard that uh, Steph and I couldn't even find a house to rent. So we told our moving truck, go to San Diego. We landed in a hotel. Then a a couple weeks later, God did open up a house. And then one by one, people just started giving their lives to Christ. And God started building a a beautiful church of college students and mostly street kids uh, that were living on the street from from, uh, City Heights. And then God started bringing different families that got involved. And soon we were overflowing in this house, six houses from San Diego State. And then we moved into Horace Mann Middle School in the tiny auditorium. And I'll never forget the day that we were like, wow, we're massive. We can't fit in this 88-person room anymore. (laughs) And so we moved to, to Horace Mann Middle School, big auditorium. I still don't know how we made it. Um, the seats were made for junior hires, so I still feel bad. Uh, It was an incredible weight loss program uh, to to just try to be a part of the church. And so uh, we grew from that. There was a flood there. We moved to Crawford High School. We grew. They said, we're going to tear it down. We moved to San Diego State. We moved here. Then they said they were selling this building. And we said, we need a permanent home. God had built us into a, a church that was multi-generational, multi-ethnic, over 50 countries represented, people from all different walks of life coming together. And we said, we need a permanent home. And so we, we hired uh, the, the best realtor for, for church uh, acquisitions in, in all of Southern California. And after several years, he came back to us and said, I've got bad news, nothing exists. In the heart of the city, in this five-mile radius that you guys have said you don't want to leave, we said, "Well, we don't want to go past uh, the the 52. We don't want to go below the 94. We don't want to to go like, well, you can't go past into the ocean." And uh, we, we, we want to stay in the city of San Diego. And they said, that just doesn't exist. And so we were like, this is such a bummer. Like, God, I know you've called us to, to have a place. And, and so uh, one of our board members comes in, and we're just kind of bemoaning the fact that we can't find a permanent place and that, that, that we can't stay in this place forever. And he said the most interesting thing. He said, you guys need to bless Israel. I uh, thought, Okay. And he said, and you, you need to carry the Jewish people in your heart. And we said... Okay, and, and he just started going through God's heart for his people. And that we needed to pray for them. We needed to give to them. We needed to bless them. And so we said, okay, well, we don't fully understand this, but hey, I, we do see this in the Bible, so we're going to do this. And so we started deciding we're going to pray. Every prayer meeting, we're going to pray. We're going to actually give financially. We started uh, giving thousands of dollars to, to orphans and widows in Israel. We started looking for for ways that we could stand with the. Jewish. People here, and boom! Immediately, immediately, this pastor sends us this piece of land and says, "Hey, someone send this to me. I actually don't want it. I think it would be perfect for you." It was on the eight freeway and College Avenue, and I went, "Oh my goodness!" I have driven by that piece of land so many times. I had lived in Del Cerro. That was the next place we had moved after after we got mold in our house. And you know, I mean, let me just tell you, God always has a reason. He works out all things. Okay. And, and and so we had moved to Del Cerro, and I was coaching soccer there. And I was driving past this land every day, and I always thought, "Why is this land vacant?" But it was always it was always sold. And so so all of a sudden we're seeing this, and, and then we find out about it, and and, and we're like, "This is amazing!" But there, you know, we find out there's all these these bids on it, and it, it seems impossible. And then someone steps up and says, "I'll help. I'll I'll help you," and gives a humongous gift and then all of a sudden they say this the people that own the land said you know what we think a house of worship would be very best here and all of a sudden boom we have a piece of land that's better than we could have ever dreamed or imagined and I was like we are going to be building a church this year (laughs) and then I thought we're gonna be building a church next year and I told Hallie, my, my dream is before you graduate from high school to have this. And now I'm saying, Hallie, my dream is before you graduate from college. She hadn't gone to high school yet, and she went through all of high school, and now she's a sophomore in college. And But here, here is what I'm saying. If I would have known how challenging, if I would have known how many millions of dollars <laughs> that, and if I would have known, I, I do remember going to our builder and saying, um, uh, you know, we want to build on this land. And he, he's like, Oh, I, I wouldn't buy it. It's, it, it, it that's going to be a challenge. And I said, Oh, what if we already bought it? <laughs> and he goes, Well, then there's, there's, there's a chance. I said, there's a chance. Amen. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, I don't know that we would have gone through if I would have known what the, the amount of money, the amount of time, the amount of work, the amount of meetings, the amount of opposition and persecution, the amount of well-meaning people saying, hey, why don't you just do something else? Just go somewhere else. And you know, we said, we actually believe that God is leading us. We actually believe that God has spoken this." To us, and then he would just confirm it over and over again by ones of you coming up and saying, "I had this dream," and we'd write it down. And then, from some of you, that would have this prophetic word. And then God started sending people. It got hard, but then God started sending some of the most known prophetic voices, actually in the whole world, to come to us and start giving us prophetic words that God had a plan, that God was going to do something, that God was going to move. You know, we don't live by what is easy. We don't live by what makes sense. Can I just say that again? If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't live by what is easy. Your call is not to take the path of least resistance. You don't live by what makes sense. You live for his glory. We we are called to hear, and then we're called to go on a journey for his glory. And we have seen that. We've seen that through getting a piece of land that was beyond our our dreams. We've seen that by seeing the mo- amount of money to own that piece of land outright for this little church. People can't actually understand it because they they know the composition of this church and they're like how how could that be possible? And it's only by his glory that the the millions of dollars have come in and then and then I we are sitting in this planning commission meeting and 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 person after person got up and shared their story I was homeless but through Jesus and the church now I'm I'm established I was an addict but th- through Jesus and his church I'm set free uh, I I was a gang member I was a violent gang member I should be dead but through Jesus and his church now I'm living to actually help inner-city youth and I'm or I'm going to this nation to stand for God or I was uh, 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 in the military And I was feeling all alone or my spouse was deployed, but there was a, there was a people that loved me and person after person after person was testifying in city hall of the glory of God and and the goodness that is distributed through the agape love of his church. And then our land use consultant, I don't know how she knew to do this, but she goes, because she didn't, she was, she was nervous and she was scared, but she goes, you need to get your camera out and get it ready and point it at this board where it's going to show the vote. And we point it. And I just started weeping with every single light turned green, a unanimous vote. And we said, that's just a miracle of God. That's just a a miracle of God. And we got to testify to his goodness and his love. And I tell you that story because now we're here to the final vote coming this Tuesday. And we need God. (laughs) We need, we need God. What The journey we've gone on doesn't make sense. The calling He's given us, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, one of the things I want to call you into is to fast with us tomorrow. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with fasting. Um, I hate it because I really love food. I, I love charcuterie boards. Um, I've really been enjoying them over this holiday. And so I love cheese. And um, but here, here is through the through the history of the people of God. Whenever there is a need, whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's a time where we're saying, God, we can't make something happen. Um, the people of God fast. And that, what is that doing? That setting aside our strength. The, the fasting is voluntary weakness to say, God, I can't do something in my strength. I need, I, I, so I will voluntarily be weak and I will voluntarily with, 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 uh, withstand from things so I can focus more on you. Here's what I love about fasting. So I said, I have a love-hate relationship. What I love is the way it tenderizes my heart. And I love how in, in fast I've met God, and I experience his his presence. Um, I love the dependence on him. I started fasting this morning. And and it's always easier to preach when you're not fasting, uh, because you have fasting spacey brain. Uh, but I love I love being dependent on him. I love meeting him. And I love seeing supernatural breakthroughs. And Jesus said, some things only come out through prayer and fasting. And so I didn't call you into this fast. It's just going to be one day uh, tomorrow. I'd encourage you to fast with us. Uh, some of us are fasting for these three days. We're fasting from now until after the to, after this vote. Uh, and then we go into city council on Tuesday afternoon. I know many of you guys will be be joining us. I uh, would love for you to be there with us on Tuesday afternoon as we are praying that the main thing we're doing is interceding. God, let your kingdom come and your will be done for the blessing of this city. We love San Diego. We love the city. We're called to the city and we want to serve this city. And we, The only reason that we want this building is so that we can honor God and serve the city. Let me look at the text that, I, that God was putting on my heart today. It's Exodus 33. It's like the seminal text on the glory of God. And uh, I just believe it speaks so much to us. It, it for sure speaks to me as a leader. And um, here's what I know is that 2024 is a year for many of you to advance Well, it's a year for all of you to advance, (laughs) Um, but you have to partner with God. It's a year for many to step into their destiny, their promised land, the, the promises of God, and yet here is the template For how we do that as the people of God, because we do it different as the people of God than the people of the world. So, this is the story to give you the context. The the children of Israel have been freed now from their captivity in Egypt. So, you know, here is Israel, here is Egypt down here. And what we know is that for 400 years, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. And then they cry out to God, and he he frees them. And they march through the the sea that was parted, and, and God destroyed the enemies. And now they've been living. They've been living in the desert here. And this is where we pick up. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place. You and the people you brought up out of Egypt. So he's saying, okay, leave the desert where you've been, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, saying, "I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and go. uh, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites." So he's saying, "Hey, there's there's people that aren't going to want you there, but I'm going to supernaturally do something. I'm going to supernaturally move by an angel." Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. He's like, I've got great things for you. This is an awesome land. But watch this. But I will not go with you because you are stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you're a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he... Entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you'll send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I might know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me, with your people, unless you go with us? And else, and what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. So much that we could take from this passage. So many things to jump into. I just have a time for a few that I believe are pertinent for us. God has this promised land. He has this destiny. He has this this place to to go on this journey that he's prepared for him that's beautiful. But he's saying this. He says, I I can't go with you because you're stiff necked. You're you're stiff necked. What what does it mean to be stiff necked? Stiff necked is an illustration to a horse. So uh, uh, we had a horse when my children were younger. And this horse was amazing because this horse, you didn't even have to put a bit in its mouth. So a bit is that metal thing that you put in its mouth. And so you can control a 1,200-pound horse, or our horse is probably about 900 pounds. You can just pull it, and this bit just moves its head, okay? Because the, the direction the head and the neck go is the direction the horse will go. The amazing thing about our horse, was this, is that you didn't even have to put a bit in its mouth. It was so broken. It was so gentle. And it so wanted to honor its master that all you had to do was put a little rope halter and you'd barely pull the rope because its neck wasn't stiff. And it would just go right where its master wants. If you've ever ridden a horse before and and ridden a stubborn horse, it is a pain. And in fact, horses are very dangerous if they're not broken, if they are stiff, But when you get one that is pliable, that is malleable, that is tender, that is broken, it is a tremendous joy. And God is saying, people, you can't be stiff-necked. You, you can't just say no. I'm going this way. And my, and my question for us, as we're in this journey together as a people, and it's always prophetic. Like if you're part of this this spiritual family, then God's saying, okay, this is this is what's going on with you. But it's also your your your, your individual lives are also going to be moving in the sa- same direction as we are corporately. And so the question is, is your neck is your neck loose? where God wants to go or do you live like this God wherever wherever you want to go right whatever you want to do I'm there are you rigid are you are you set are you no this is what I am doing and then this is the next interesting thing it says is it says take off your ornaments take off your ornaments Uh, an ornament is given for the glory of a person Right, we, we, you, you win a, you win a, a race and you get a gold medal. Uh, we put on uh, fancy jewelry and, and, and you know, you, you, you see these uh, musicians and they got all these, or you see these professional athletes and they've got these super. They go out and buy these super expensive chains and super expensive uh, ornaments. And so why? So people will look at them and go, cool. Now, if you have jewelry on today, that's awesome and. Uh, my my son will be here and he'll have all this you know cool stuff on. That's awesome. I'm not I'm not down on that. What I what I'm on is your our heart motive. Is it about our glory and drawing attention to ourselves, or is it about His glory? Because we can't go into the promised land if our necks are stiff and we're into our own ornaments. Your ornaments is is anything, and the interesting thing about it is if you look at the Hebrew word, the word ornaments, it says trappings. The the other word is trappings, and it even says trappings for a horse. So both of them are speaking to the same thing that keep us from being pliable in God's hands to go the direction he wants. So here's my question, just as I say that today. My question is, this year, 2024, are you more focused on his glory or your glory, his plan or your plan. And, and, and my question is, is your neck loose? I mean, you can write that down. Is my neck loose? Is there any way that my neck is not loose? Is there any aspect of my life where I'm like, nope, this is what I'm doing? Like, I, I, I used to pray like, Lord, I want to follow you, but don't make me a missionary. Like, don't make me like Zach and Amy and their kids. Like, Uh, Because there was one area of life where I was like, I will not do that. Let me just ask you, is there any area where you're like, no, no, right? You know what happens when you get a stiff neck? You get a crick in your neck and it's a pain. You know what happens when you're loose, right? It's like a Holy Spirit massage, right? Uh... There, there's, there, there, there is a joy when our necks are loose in life, and there is a joy when we're not holding on to the ornaments of our own glory. Now, here's the next interesting thing about Moses that I, I want to show you and why he's such an amazing role model to us. Because you, you do understand, right, that Moses, uh, you know, sometimes we think, I, I can't live like the Bible because I live in the real world. Like, you know, these people, uh, you know, or pastor, yeah, you, you, you can do this, but I live in the real world. Let me just tell you about Moses for a second. He was leading somewhere between 1 million to 3 million people. Anyone doing that in this room? He actually had to feed 3 million people. Anyone have that response? You're like, but I've got to pay for the, I got to meet the bills. I got to pay for my family. Anybody have a family of 3 million in here? Okay, you're like, but man, I, I, you know, I'm a business owner. I got rough employees. Do you know, Moses had a leadership team, right? Uh, first of all, the first rung was just of 70 people, okay? And then the next rung, it was like of, of leaders of hundreds and then leaders of tens. I mean, the guy had thousands of employees, right? And, 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 and often they, they didn't want to just fire him. They wanted to kill him. Okay, he had whole rebellions that like came up. Against him, he had to, and he—he's leading people from the desert into a new land. He's a leader of a nation, and what does he do? And so, so God gives him a plan. Like you're going to inherit this land, and I love it. So it, then it says, so Moses gathered the seventy people, and he got a, a creative think tank, and he hired some consultants, and they started mapping it out. Now, I'm not against any of those things. That it's, but here, here is what I I love about Moses. Watch this next part. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside. The camp. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. What was Moses' key to leadership of three million people, of actually moving people from one land to another, to from feeding people to governing people? What was his strategy? Go in a tent. right? That, that, what a peculiar strategy. Why? Uh, here, here is the, the main reason I believe, I believe it was because he was desperate to meet with the living God. I, I don't even think it was just because he was like, man, this, the responsibilities are too much, which they were, which he needed, God's grace. I don't even think it's like, because I'm having family problems, which he did. Like, his, sometimes his siblings were really helpful to him, sometimes they were not, right? Some, I mean, the guy had some major, he, and he had like two families, too. He had his Egyptian family and his Israelite family, and some of his family wanted to kill him, and he had family problems. Um, and yet, what does Moses do? He goes and hides in a tent all the time. Sometimes you just got to go and hide in a tent with the Lord. Moses' habit was meeting with the Lord in a tent. I mean, just remember, this isn't, just, this isn't a Bible story. This is a guy with more responsibilities than you with horrible family issues, with people that hate him, with whole nations that want to destroy him. And what did he do? He went and hung out with God in a tent. And sometimes we think, well, I mean, that's Moses, though. God, every once in a while, just picks someone that's just really special. He was special. And sometimes we can think, you know, that's just for this leader, or that's just for this pastor, or that's just for this missionary, that's just for this speaker. But you got to see this next line. you got to see this next line in Exodus 33, 7. It says, anyone, say anyone, anyone, say anyone, anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Uh. I, I wouldn't have ever thought I could say this as a teenager because I was so ADD and I was so like an adrenaline junkie. But my favorite thing to do on earth is spend time with the Lord. Like that's my favorite thing to do is to go off and be with him. This week was awesome. Um, and it's, you know, we're standing on this side of getting the approval with the city. We're, we're, we've had lots of challenges. I've I personally had lots of challenges in life. I've had a lot of people that have hated me in life and said all kinds of things about me. I've had all kinds of health issues. I've had, I've had relational issues and family issues, and, and um, except with my wife. Things are blissful. Um, I just want to clarify that so you're not like, oh, Robert and Steph had a really hard Christmas. No, it was, it was awesome. Uh, um... In the midst, oftentimes, let me just say it this way, it's in the biggest challenges that my time with Jesus has been the sweetest. I wish I could take you. I don't, because then it wouldn't be alone, but I wish I could have you with me, sometimes on my times on, in, on the mountain with the Lord. Um, one day this week, it was, I was overwhelmed with joy and I made sure that I was in a spot by myself. And I started just jumping around and, and shouting. And then I turned on. Y'all remember? Well, some of you remember the Happy Song by Delirious. Uh, and I just started, like, dancing. And I was really hoping no one would see me. Um, but people are so weird that, you know, why not? Um, but... The joy of the Lord is your strength, church. And I want to tell you that the Bible says anyone could go to Moses' tent. So if I'm telling you that the joy was overwhelming, that I couldn't help from jumping up and down and skipping around, and, and, and that I wasn't born like this, and that when I was a teenager and they said, spend time with God, I couldn't hang out with the Lord for seven minutes. Like, I couldn't spend seven minutes with the Lord. And now I'm saying it's my favorite thing to do, and I was so overwhelmed with joy. And I'm not, and I'm not saying it's every day. So just let's just be really real. Some days I'm like, hello? Hello? Anyone? You know. Um, but some days, the presence of God and his voice and what he shows and his touch and the promises he gives, there's nothing like it. And the Bible says anyone who wanted to go to the tent could go. Are you hearing me? So the Bible said about Moses that the Lord spoke to him face to face like a a man speaks to his friend. And you think like, oh, why not me? And then I love this phrase, anyone inquiring of the Lord could go. But it says this, outside the camp. What does that mean? It means you have to actually take the effort to make the time in your life to go to the tent. But are you hearing me? This isn't about some like religious, have your quiet time so you can check the box and be a good Christian. I'm talking about meeting with the living God. And the Bible says, you will seek me and find me if you seek me with your whole heart. I want to tell you 2024, he wants to meet with you, my friends. Because anyone who wants to go can meet with him. And in his presence is the fullness Of joy, so um, so. Then it goes on to say this. I'm going to go back. So it says, anyone who wanted to go, could meet with him, and they'd watch Moses and they'd worship him, and the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And let me just say this: uh, that I'm I'm believing that God's going to raise up young people who are going to say, hey, Robert, that's really cool that you're dancing before the Lord and that you're experiencing his presence, but I, I, I want it more. Praying for the new Joshua's and Joshuettas. <laughs> my female version of that name. Um, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you'll sin with me. You've said, I know you by name and you found favor. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you. I, I, I don't want to just see the acts of God. I want to know his ways. Because some days are really good. Some days you look up at the board of planning commission and every light is green. And someday you look up and every face is angry looking at you. Or you look at your bank account and it's empty. Or you look at your city and there's a big problem. Or you're looking at a nation and there's a horrible challenge. And what we need in that moment is to know his ways. Because there's moments where things don't look like they're working out for you. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> You're looking up, and you're like, my marriage doesn't look like it's going to make it, or my family member doesn't look like they're going to survive, or my body doesn't look like it's going to get healed. And that's when you need to know his ways. That's when you need to be in the tent with the Lord. Now, watch what he says. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. When, you're in, when you live in the tent, you live in his presence, and you actually have a supernatural rest, okay? Okay. But watch this. Moses says, how will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked of me because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Watch this. This is what Moses the, the one who's been charged with getting three million people from the desert into the promised land. This is what Moses, who has to feed all these people, this is what Moses, who has government issues, who's, who's having to write the actual Bible at this time, this is what Moses, who's had whole people rebel against him and had problems with his brother and sister, this is what Moses says. He could have said anything to the Lord. He could have said anything when he was given this huge this huge goal of getting these people here. And what does he say? He says this, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. Does that strike anyone as weird? Like besides me? I'm like, God says, Get people from here to here. Lead a huge nation. I know there's not food in the desert. You're going to have to depend on me. I know you're going to have to put, you're going to have to create a whole government system, which all the, all, all the democracies and, and God-fearing nations from the world are going to look back on. I know you're going to have all these kind of issues. And Moses says, he doesn't say, now God, give me your blueprint. Now God, hand me the constitution. Now God raised up some good leaders in my political party. Now, God, give me a lot of money. What does he say? He says something that seems like totally irrelevant to the whole task. Now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. Um, is this is the one thing that's gonna last forever? You, you get to Revelation 1. I don't even understand how Moses did this because we have the Bible and we're filled with the Spirit. He, he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit and it, like Jesus hadn't died yet and so the Spirit wasn't living in him. He didn't even have a Bible. He was writing the, 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 the little parts of the Bible and it was about the law. And what does he say? Like somehow he got it. Life is about your glory. Life is about you, Jesus. Life is about the nation seeing. Like, if we're gonna go, I, you gotta be with us because it's all about you and it's all about everyone else seeing your glory. And so, Lord, in my marriage to Steph, Lord, won't you reveal your glory to people in my family with Hallie Hudson, Joshua, John Mark? Would you reveal your glory in this church? Would you show your glory, God, would, in my neighborhood through my life? Because that's all that really matters. Ooh. Um, so maybe yeah, I'll kind of start landing the plane. You move a number of books forward in the, in the old Testament and you get to the book of Daniel and these, these, these people, there weren't a ton of them. There weren't a ton of, of believers. Like in our area, it says that 5% of people uh, go or 0.5, I'm sorry go to any kind of uh, worship service. Do you hear me? Uh, please don't leave. <laughs> we need you here. <laughs> um, and and these guys, so there's this king called Nebuchadnezzar, and he's like, you need to worship me. And he builds this huge ornament, and he says, you guys all worship me. And it's still happening today, right? It's still like... Uh, let's worship money, let's worship power, let's worship sex, let's worship drugs, let's worship these things. And, and these guys, and, and, and he says, and by the way, if you don't, I'm going to throw you into the fire and you're going to die. So, I mean, like, they had a pretty good excuse. Like, okay, like, what good are we if we die? And what I love is they say, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, um, we believe that God can deliver us from your hands. Like, yeah, you're the strongest person on earth, and you say someone dies and they die. But I love what they say next. They go, but even if you don't, even, we believe that God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we'll still worship him because it's all about his glory. Uh, Church, let's fast, let's pray. I believe with all my heart that we're going to get to build. And even if we don't, we're still going to worship him we're still gonna live for his glory. We're still gonna worship him because he is worthy and he is good. And so Moses says, now show me your glory. And what does God say? He goes, I'm gonna let my goodness pass before you. He got to see the goodness of the Lord. And it says this, that he hid him in the cleft of the rock. This is what I believe is the prophetic picture of our generation that we're good with being hidden. Instead of us being about our glory, we're just like, God, we want to see your glory. We want to live for your glory. And Lord, we'll be hidden back in this rock because our reward is not our glory. Our reward is your goodness. Our reward is you being glorified. Our reward is people seeing how wonderful you are. Let's stand up.